On today's episode of Out of Office Bros, we're going back to therapy discussing the Denver Broncos and our Colorado Buffaloes. This is Out of Office Bros. Let's hit it. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another episode of Out of Office Bros. It is your boy, D-Train, along with my co-host, Mr. Scotty L. Scotty, Thursday and Friday night were absolutely rough as Broncos and Buffs fans. Yeah, it completely ruined my weekend. I am I hate football right now. I hate football. I know. I know. I was really looking forward to I, – I, like, we assumed that the Broncos were going to lose. Like That wasn't as much of a shock as Friday night was. Uh, but you know, I was really looking forward to going on a nice bike ride with my wife on Saturday, not thinking about football, just kind of just kind of riding into a nice weekend where I know my Colorado Buffaloes have a bye week and we only need one more win to get into a bowl game. But instead, I was riding that bicycle blind with rage – um, just, you know, thinking about that game that kept me up until one thirty at night on Friday into Saturday morning, just because I kept thinking about all of the things that went wrong during that football game. Yeah. I mean, like you said, we, we kind of expected this out of the Broncos at this point. They're, they're not a good football team. So we just aim low and never be disappointed with them. Our expectations to the buff for the buffs has changed. And this was a game that even before we ever kicked a football off for this season, we had chalked up as a dub. Like this was, this was supposed to be a lock and yeah. Um, I guess the one good part is, you know, you, uh, you you probably burn some extra calories riding that bike furiously. So, Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely got my heart rate up a little bit. That's for sure. Well, let's kind of, let's dive into these football games a little bit. Uh, I, I want to start with the Broncos at, at the Chiefs. Um, like I said, mm-hmm. we had kind of chalked this up to as a loss early when we first did our predictions, and then once again uh, in our previous episode. But there, like, what in the world is this team anymore? Like. For for the first five games of the season, the defense has been trash in in every at, at every turn in every category, and the Chiefs had by far their worst game of the season, and we and we hung in there, and then our offense decides to shit the bed. Nothing can go right. We we can't put together a complete game in all three phases, and it, it's just so. Like it, it's almost impressive at this point about how bad we can be and how we find new ways to lose every yeah. single week. I mean, Russ was gone. He he was non-existent. I can't defend Russ this week. I will say I'm, I'm at the point that I'm just starting to feel bad for him to a certain extent because you could tell Sean Payton fucking hates the guy. I mean, <laughs> hates him. But it's like, you couldn't put up more than eight points we couldn't even get Against, to 10. And 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 I get it like the Kansas City Chiefs defense is improved than it has been in the past, but 8 points, 8 8 points. Can't even can't even get it into the red zone to get some field goals. Just one. Just one field like, goal. That's all we're just, asking just, for. You're right. Like nothing crazy one. here. Um and 
the fact the fact that our defense held the Kansas City Chiefs to less than 20 points should give our offense enough and one time time is a big important thing here but enough chances to be able to go down and put points on the board so that you can come out of this with a victory um but I just – I've never seen – I don't know if I've ever seen an offense that was so um, despondent, just so – no. There, it looked like there was no motivation to even get down the field at, at any point. And we completely abandoned the run when the run was working in the first quarter. In the first quarter, uh, between Javante Williams and Jaleel McLaughlin, we had 66 yards on – sorry, 56 yards on the ground, plus a, a, a quarterback sneak by Russell Wilson and a 10-yard run by your boy Michael Burton. Um, so Love in total, we had 61 yards on 10 carries. That's averaging over six yards a carry. Why did we, why did we completely abandon the ground game? It doesn't make any sense. Dude, I'm I'm seriously wondering what the fuck Sean Payton is doing with this offense. And then I, I sent you this article. Granted, it's from it's from Barstool Sports, so take the source for what it's worth. But they dug up this old video of Sean Payton talking about NFL teams for t- tanking for Caleb Williams because he's that yeah. good. Yeah. Like after watching that game, I'm kind of sitting there like, well, maybe we are tanking for Caleb. Maybe that is our goal this year. I I don't the the fact that we decided to start throwing the ball after we were running so well is at, at that point we'd had 11 yards on six passing plays and then the 61 yards on the rushing. Why do we think that throwing the ball is going to get us anywhere? Well, you shouldn't go away from it. You should. No. I mean, my god, we won a we won a game against the against the Kansas City Chiefs where in which we threw the ball Nine times back in the day. Let, yeah. Let's not forget the Tim Tebow era where we just dedicated ourselves and fully bought in on the run. And yet we we went away from averaging 6.1 yards a carry to go and throw to receivers that just aren't very good and don't care to be very good. I mean, Cortland Sutton has got to go. The Cortland Sutton experiment's done. It's been done for a long time. Jerry Judy needs to focus more on playing the goddamn game of football than he does about correcting the rights that are, or the wrongs that are done against him or trying to go at Steve Smith of all people versus going out and proving that he actually isn't just another guy in the NFL, which is Steve Smith was right. Yeah. He's just another guy. Yeah, that is exactly like that is exactly what Steve Smith was saying is that is that Jerry Judy wasn't worth where he was drafted based on his play on the field. And and, and I completely not. agree with him. He, I, yeah, I completely agree with the guy. Um, Jerry Judy is performing worse than undrafted players out there. At the same position, like I, I, he, he he's not he's not a first round player. And the fact that we wasted that pick. It's all hindsight, right? I mean, Jerry Judy was electric at Alabama. He was a great player at Bama. How much of that was he had Tua throwing him the ball? He had, you know, Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith also in that receiving core. Or did he just get paid and stop giving a shit? 
Which yeah. he was probably getting paid at Bama. I mean, it's the SEC. They paid players before NIL was legal. So. <laughs> Let's well, be real here. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, they the offense completely sputtered. I And I also get it. Like, the Chiefs did put us in um, – I mean, we were on our side of the field for the majority of the game. Uh, mm-hmm. But there, there was a certain – there was a certain point, uh, obviously, before we scored in the fourth quarter, where our, our first uh, – or it was our set first seven drives – uh, it looked, yeah, I think so. Um, started on our own 25, nine plays, 34 yards. That was when we went forward on fourth down, didn't convert. Mm-hmm. Then started on our own 25 interception, then own seven, own five, own 25, own 24, four punts in a row. Uh, and then our own 25, that was actually, we had a decent drive going and then rushed through his second pick of the night. Um, I just... I thought that Sean Payton was supposed to come in here and be this offensive guru, fix Russ because I mean, but the, this this Russell Wilson experiment, this Cortland Sutton experiment, this Jerry Judy experiment have all failed, and it's time to move on from all three. But like I've talked about previously, we there's no way that anybody's going to take Russ's contract plus no. the amount that we gave up and the amount that we that we traded to bring him here. We we've just got to keep going. I mean, like benching him isn't going to do anything. I don't think that Jared Stidham is an improvement by any means. Uh, so you just got to yeah. keep playing him and hope that maybe some um, that he puts enough on tape that maybe we can get we can uh, unload him this offseason. Yeah, I mean. Russ, you you have to keep playing and you just have to hope like it gets better because Jared Stidham is not going to be an answer for you at all. Um, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, I think you can unload. Cortland, you're going to have to use some dead cap because we we overpaid him. Um, But if we can get a couple of draft picks for him, great. Let's do it. Uh, Jerry Judy, same kind of deal, but he's still cost controlled as a rookie. So get him out of here. Get well, not as Cortland a rookie Sutton. on his on his rookie contract. on his rookie deal yeah on his rookie deal yeah um get Cortland out of here get Jerry Judy out of here mm-hmm. for picks and you know what that that honestly may help the offense to an extent you get these mm-hmm. guys that maybe are a little bit hungrier that want to go out and prove themselves have something to prove maybe maybe that does help our offense a little bit that's kind of where I'm at is okay let's see what these young guys that maybe were overlooked were haven't just had that opportunity yet. Let's see what they got. I mean, that's how we found out Tim Patrick was actually a really good receiver up until he just can't stay healthy. Um, You know, I I think that we, we need to zero in on finding some sort of tight end threat. I'm going to continue to say it because we saw it again. Obviously Travis Kelsey is one of the best in the league by far and away. Mm -hmm. Um, He's right up there with George Kittle and he, he ate us alive. Yeah, in that game. especially in the especially in the first half. That first half, I mean, I think maybe Mahomes was just kind of feeding him to look good in front of Taylor Swift, <laughs> and I think maybe that's also why they're they didn't look great. The Chiefs, um, maybe they were trying to be nice and not beat us into submissions, so Travis can be like, "Look, what a nice guy I am," and I told my teammates to take it easy on the lowly Broncos. I don't know, man. Either way, it's a loss, and like we're we one thing that's coming out of this is. VJ just secured himself another week. Vance yeah. Joseph just secured himself another week as defensive coordinator because he can say, look, I gave up only seven. My defense only gave up 17 points to the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, 19. 19. Either yeah. way. 
Oh yeah. The cover hit, the spread hit. Yeah. Yeah. The spread hit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's exactly it is that he shut down one of the more prolific offenses, not shut down, but held in check. One of the most prolific, more prolific offenses in the league. And yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, definitely bought himself another week. Um, I do you do you feel uh, that tomorrow after after a lot of these games are played for the NFL that we start to see some moves? I'm hoping so. I am really really hoping so. And I think if I'm George Payton, I'm sitting there in Dove Valley in my office today texting GMs while I've got every single game on TV. Yeah, you know, like hey, you know could it really help you or you know hey who you know who could be a decent piece for you guys. Mm-hmm. And I'm already starting to make those deals. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just finding deals wherever I can at this point yeah. because it, it's got to happen. And if George Pat- Payton doesn't want to do it, get someone else in here who will. Yeah. Get someone else in here who will tear it down and build it back up. Because right now, it, it's not going to get better for the foreseeable future. It yeah. just isn't. And I don't think there's going to be any major changes in the front office uh, before the off season. Um, But I do, but I do foresee moves being made before the trade deadline on October 31st. Um, I I don't, and I think I said this on the last podcast, but the only reason that it didn't happen for this week was because we did have that Thursday night football game. Um, Mm -hmm. So, so you never really, you don't want to bring anybody in and you never really want to trade anybody away when you're on that short week. Um, But we but because we did play on Thursday night football, we basically got an extra seventy two hours where George Payton, Sean Payton can sit back and reflect and figure out, okay, if we are going to be trading those away and we are going to start making some calls, who are the players that we can ship out of here and still still at least put together, you know, some sort of game plan. Um obviously I I don't think that um Marvin Mims Jr. is mm-hmm. uh, far away or, or isn't as um, like if he if he's wide receiver one, it's not going to be that much of a downgrade from Cortland Sutton. And no. uh, and if Brandon Johnson is wide receiver two, I don't see that being a step away from Jerry Judy by all that much in this offense. So might as well give those guys a bit more opportunity and 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 ship Cortland and Jerry Judy out of here. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think it's become clear through Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton's play on the field that they just don't give a shit anymore. Yeah. They don't. They're they're apathetic towards the whole situation at this point. And you know, it it's they're they're treating it almost as the fan base does at this point. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, eh, whatever. Like, I don't see those guys battling. I don't see those guys caring. And that's really frustrating, disheartening, whatever adjective you want to use to describe it as a fan. Like it's hard to sit there and watch and you see, you know, I, if I remember during one on one of those picks, Cortland was the target and it looked like he just gave up. Like he didn't go up after the ball. He just let it go over his head mm-hmm. on one of those picks or, you know, even last week against the jets when we saw him, you know, not come back for the ball and what happened? Like Cortland, clearly just does not care anymore in my opinion and then jerry judy he's more worried about what twitter says or what these analysts are saying versus actually going out and producing which would shut them all up that's the most ironic part yeah if he doesn't like what he's hearing go fucking produce go do your job that you're paid very well to go do and they're not going to say shit 
Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a pretty simple formula there, but he just doesn't want to do it because he doesn't care. Yeah. What, uh, what did uh, Jerry Judy stats end up being? Was it one catch for six yards or something like that? <laughs> let me, let me pull it up. Cause it was something just laughable. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was absolutely laughable. I mean, I, it's just, it's, it's, it's a testament of this hopelessness that we've kind of been talking about because we're going in week by week, probably thinking that we're going to lose to all of these football teams, but it's even worse when it's in pathetic fashion like that to our biggest rival on national television. Uh, And then, and then the team has absolutely no emotion to show for it. It, it, it's, it's this uh, complacency and, uh, and lack of caring that I think is what is really frustrating these Denver Broncos fans. And so everybody's looking for moves to be made because we we're sick and tired of it. Yeah, we have to. And uh, Jerry Judy had three catches for 14 yards, average 4.7 yards a catch. Oh and my God. of that, his long reception was 13 yards. So let's put it in perspective. Three catches for 14 with a long of 13. That means he had two catches for one yard. Right. Than that. Yeah. So let's not, let's not sit here and act like he had any room to talk. And then our rushing, I mean, we had 115 yard rushing. 115 yards rushing for the game versus 95 yards passing. Yeah, but that's what I was saying is we had 61 yards in the first quarter. Yeah, we shouldn't have gone away from it. I no. Mean, I, I don't know what the fuck we were thinking. I don't know what Sean Payton was thinking because let's be real. He is the one calling the plays. Yeah. He is. Yeah. So it, it's just uh, I'm just so done with the Broncos this year. Like I'm still going to watch because I'm a masochist, but I'm just done. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm still I'm happy to fall asleep and do whatever during a game. And then if I catch the highlights, I catch the highlights. I'm still going to the game next Sunday. I really don't want to, but I had already committed to going. because I thought that I thought by this point we may be, you know, four and two, even three and three. <laughs> but here we are sitting at one and five. And what also what's also a bummer is is that it looks like as of right now the Miami Dolphins are absolutely obliterating the Carolina Panthers. Uh last I checked the score was 35 to 14. So mm-hmm. the Panthers securely are going to uh stand alone and have that uh first round or the first overall draft pick which is owned by the Chicago Bears though. So the Chicago Bears actually have the first overall draft pick um and and they're going to have number going, two because they lost today too. Right. And let's go back to uh, what you had said about Sean Payton um, saying that teams would tank for Caleb Williams. I also saw another article uh, that a uh, um, a GM, it was an anonymous GM, you know, from around the league said that Caleb Williams would have been drafted ahead of Bo, of Bryce Young, Trevor Lawrence, and um, who was first overall the year before. Um, I don't know. It, it doesn't matter. The fact that Trevor Lawrence was such a prolific passer in college and this GM is saying that Caleb Williams would have been drafted ahead of him is absolutely insane. Now, does that narrative change, though, because Caleb Williams looked horrible yesterday against Notre Dame? Throwing three, dog shit. playing through three picks in in that game, and I and I think put his Heisman candidacy at a little bit of a um, 
a little bit of a slide because Michael Penix Jr. played a phenomenal game against Oregon, and we'll dive into that at the end of this episode. Um, but but do, do you think that anybody's feelings on Caleb Williams are going to change because of the way that he played yesterday? If they do, they're an idiot. I mean, Caleb had a bad game, yes. He, he played probably the worst game of his collegiate career yesterday. Yeah. Um, that pass rush really affected him, and that's going to be curious to see as he gets into the NFL where you're going to face more pressure than you do in college. Mm-hmm. How does he handle that, and how does he bounce back? Um, I don't think he wins the Heisman this year. I think that you'll be able to point that to that performance as what lost him the Heisman in his back-to-back that. And like you said, Michael Penix Jr. has just been absolutely fucking balling this year. That kid is unbelievably good. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Caleb, he, he's just so unique because he's got that mobility of, you know, a Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. He, he's that mobile. He really is. Mm-hmm. but he's got the arm talent of Patrick Mahomes, which is just an insane combo that he's actually more mobile than Patrick Mahomes, but has that same arm. So I'm curious to see how he performs in the NFL because he is still a shorter guy. And, you know, can he process the game at the NFL level? I'm not saying he can or can't right now. I think he absolutely could, but that's what separates these guys that are, just good quarterbacks from the great quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes thinks this game at such a high level. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence thinks the game at a high level. And Justin Herbert, who's another great young quarterback right now, is thinking the game at a really high level. And that's going to be what separates Caleb Williams. You know, Mm -hmm. is he he Bryce Young, who has all the physical tools and the physical gifts? But I, I think that's Bryce Young's problem, is he's not thinking the game at a high level for Carolina right now. And they have a lot of other issues. The Panthers... Broncos fans, it can always be worse. We could be Carolina. Uh, But, you know, I think that's what's holding Bryce Young back is he's not processing the game at at nearly the level of those other three guys did. So, and that's going to be what separates Caleb is does he possess that ability? And if he does, he's going to be a generational kind of quarterback that can put a franchise on his back, elevates the same way Trevor Lawrence has the Jaguars, and it'll be great. It'll be great to watch, and hopefully it'll be in the right shade of orange and blue. It just depends on what the Bears want to do with Justin Fields at this point. Yeah, it was uh, it was Joe Burrow that was the first overall draft pick that Joey um, Yeah, that that anonymous GM said that Caleb Williams would still get drafted ahead of Joe Burrow, which is wild to say because Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. I mean, at this stage of his career, has already been to a Super Bowl. Yeah, and honestly, should have won it. Looking back, like. The Bengals were really good, except for their defense that year, and their offensive line was terrible. And he still lifted them to a to a Super Bowl appearance, yeah, which is insane. Yeah. Uh, but Denver Broncos are taking on the Green Bay Packers next Sunday at Mile High, so we'll see how uh, see how that goes for them. Um, like I said, I'm going to that football game. Uh, they they do win quite a few games when I go to them. Uh, just not recently. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to uh, the biggest bummer of the weekend. Um, Stanford overcomes a 29 to zero deficit uh, to shock uh, the college football world and especially the University of Colorado uh, in double overtime. Um, Scotty L, you had sent me, uh, I mean, obviously you were at the game and I'm assuming, uh, that your partner was driving you home because you sent me a lengthy, um, 
notes that you had taken about the football game. And then you even went back and rewatched it, which I could never bring myself to do. So tell me uh, what went wrong for the Colorado Buffaloes in that second half. Uh, fucking everything. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I rewatched it because sitting there at the game, you, you feel the momentum shifting, you know, you can get that read on it where it's like, yeah. oh, we've, we've got to do something to qualm it. Yeah. But you can't necessarily pinpoint as well as you can when you watch it on TV or when you're rewatching to see where the breakdowns are, what the issues are. And I had to go back and rewatch it. A, I, I was still so fucking pissed when I woke up and I'm still mad right now. I'm kind of moving through these stages of grief with the Colorado Buffaloes. Uh, <laughs> You know, it goes anger, depression, acceptance, or whatever the hell, that whole bargaining and all this kind of shit. I'm still very much moving through those stages of grief where I'm kind of on that teetering of, like, depression and anger right now. Yeah. I I haven't even gotten to the bargaining phase and then the acceptance. I I don't know when I'll get to the acceptance phase. It might not be till the season kicks off in 2024. (laughs) (sighs) I I mean, okay, where, where should we start here? So uh, let, let's let's just start at the beginning of the game because we hit our key to the game, did we not? We had one key for this fucking game. Mm-hmm. It was start fast. We came out, we won another coin toss. Again, absurd. And we we give them the ball. Okay, don't love that, but okay, it's Stanford. Like we can kind of justify that. We stop them on their opening drive. We take the ball down the field and score. We're feeling great. The vibes are high. Vibes are immaculate right now. It keeps going. It keeps going that way. Um, Stanford, their All-American kicker, misses a field goal attempt that he should hit. 99 times out of 100. He should hit that. He misses it. Suddenly, we're feeling really fucking good. Yeah. And... We finally convert a two-point conversion. Caleb Fourier gets involved, our, our second tight end, son of the legend Christian Fourier, who played tight end at the University of Colorado and then had a very lengthy NFL career. Um, he finally gets involved, scores a two-point conversion. Zay Weaver quite literally was able to jog into the end zone, basically walk into the end zone on one of our plays because Sanford was so fooled by a, by a reverse. And then Alejandro Mata... Uh, goes ahead and misses a field goal at the end of half. Um, we need a kicker with more leg. I'm going to tell you that right now. Because re- where we're sitting, we can not kick the ball out of the end zone on a fucking kickoff at well above sea level, uh, over a mile above sea level. Mm-hmm. The University of Colorado's campus is higher than the elevation of Denver. Somehow we still can't kick a fucking ball out of the end zone on a kickoff and pin them back. That blows my mind. And if we have longer than a 45-yard field goal at elevation, suddenly we're questioning ourselves and we have to go for it on fourth down or take a delay of game to back up our punter so he has room to actually punt the ball and hopefully try and pin them back. Which, by the way, incredible game out of Mark Versette. Besides besides the one one punt. But he pinned them on the four. He pinned Mm -hmm. them on the one. Mm -hmm. Get into that shit because of what happened right after that really <laughs> fucked us in a major way. Anyway, we go into half. We're up 29-0. Vibes are immaculate. 
I am standing in the touchdown club. I'm chatting with our boy E with Ethan in there. We're just feeling good. Him and I are re up in our drinks. I'm getting another tall boy high noon. Ethan's getting another banquet. We are just vibing. Everyone in the touchdown club is chilling, having a great time. We walk back out, we get the ball, we get stopped. And then suddenly, Stanford starts to percolate a little bit. Mm-hmm. Credit to Troy Taylor. Whatever he did at half, whatever the speech was at halftime, good for him. Stanford did not roll over, which is what you would expect a team to do when they're down 29 nothing at halftime. You would expect them to kind of phone it in the rest of the game. Meanwhile, on the buff side... Our complacency just completely kicked in at half. And Coach Prime said so in his post-game presser. We got complacent. We didn't go out and keep pushing. This team lacks a fucking killer instinct. Long story short, we give up a school record in receiving yards to Stanford, to one player. Um, Alec, very odd Alec, name. Alec, Alec uh, Aomenor. Aomenor. He had, what, 296 yards receiving, and they all came in the second half, yeah, including an absolute poster on Travis Hunter in overtime mm-hmm. to tie the game. Um, a couple of notes that I had from basically this point on. This was the laundry list I sent you. Go off, King. Charles Kelly needs to fucking go at the end of this year. He needs to go. Why the fuck are we playing a single high safety when you have one kid going on 300 yards and you're leaving him in one-on-one coverage bracket him. What the fuck are we doing playing a single high at that point? Go to quarters, go to fucking cover three, go to something, make a goddamn adjustment. I mean, we have seen this a couple straight weeks now where Kelly is not adjusting to what is actually happening in the game plan. And Florida state fans did warn us of this because he was there as a DC before and Mm -hmm. They saw this shit. They saw that Charles Kelly is refusing to adjust. In back-to-back weeks, we have allowed three 90-plus yard drives, scoring drives, on this defense. ASU went 96 yards last week to score. This week, Stanford had a 96-yard one-play touchdown drive and a 99-yard drive to get the game into overtime. That is inexcusable out of a defense that is at the power five level and D one level. We had three 12 men on the field penalties all on the defense in this game. That is a lack of critical, all in critical downs too. It was always, it was always either third down. There was one that allowed uh, Stanford an entire new set of downs. Yes. It, It gave them life. And Mm -hmm. we had 17 penalties in this game. We are the second most penalized team in the FBS this year. Only ahead of of that team up north in Colorado State, Chief Shot University. That is a problem. What are Coach Prime's fucking core values of this program? Smart, tough, fast, disciplined with character. We are missing the smart part. We are missing the disciplined part. We have fast. I think we have some character on this roster. We don't come back in those games that we were behind in and win without character. And I think to a certain extent, we play tough. I think we're very fucking soft on both offensive line and defensive line, which is a problem. Mm -hmm. I, I think there's an issue candidly in the locker room, but we'll get into that a little bit here. Um, I, I don't think Sean Lewis was actually the problem this week. I don't think he was a major problem this week. The play calling was really good in the first half, really strong in the first half of play. Second half, 
I I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. I, I would have liked to see us establish more of a ground game. I don't know why we're so hesitant to go to the run, because if you actually look at Sean Lewis's entire career, he is a very balanced offensive coordinator. He likes to have probably a 56-44 split on run versus pass. And we have completely gone away from that. I don't know what it is. I don't know if he lacks all sort of faith in the offensive line to actually get out and block. I think I think that that's a lot of it. I think that he knows the strength of this team is riding on the back of Shador and him getting the ball to his talented wide receivers. Yes, but even then, there are, our receivers still aren't elite enough to get us that kind of to get us over the hump like that. Like Jimmy Horn is a good receiver, but he hasn't had a stellar game recently. Mm-hmm. People have learned how to cover Jimmy. You know, I, I wonder what this game looks like. I wonder what our season looks like without Travis missing three games because you could tell he was tired that game. He yeah. may not he may not be hurt, but he was not in game shape because game, especially when you're playing the amount of snaps that Travis Hunter does, it's different than just going in practice. Yeah. Practice, you get you get a water break. You're he's not taking every rep in practice. There are some practices he's not even participating in because you got to keep it fresh. But he was just off for three weeks. We probably should have eased him into the game a little bit more. And I think it proved because candidly, he was not the lockdown corner that we're used to seeing. Um, he missed a couple of balls that he, I would assume normally catches. There was one out route that really comes out into my mind. Um, there was one in the back of the end zone that really came to mind where he, as a, on a defensive play that he probably could have picked that. Yeah. So I, I think he was tired. I'm not going to blame Travis by any stretch of the imagination because at the end of the day, if you're a defensive coordinator, once again, and you're fucking seeing this one guy who's de- who Travis is ding up on, he mm. was on him most of oh, the game. It was, dude, it was mano y mano, especially in that fourth quarter when Ellick was absolutely going off that you could tell Travis wanted that matchup, which I love yes. that. Like that, that is why he's earned that D on his Jersey. Like that is, yes. that is saying, that is saying I am the only person I trust in covering this person. Which is great. You, you need that out of your best players. Yeah. But you need to, you, you got to have Roderick Ward or Shiloh or someone shading over the top and bracketing or being ready to jump a shallow route like we've seen happen this year. Mm-hmm. Shiloh's done it three times where he's jumped shallow routes and either picked it or knocked it down. And then you let Travis worry about the deep. Like we need to make that adjustment and bracket those kind of guys because there's always, it seems like this year there has been a receiver that has gone off every game against us, which is fine. That's going to happen but you need to be able to make an adjustment past that. There, there are just so many things on the defensive side of the ball. Like why was, why the fuck is Trevor Woods who is, let's not be mistaken. He's our best safety. He is our best all around safety. He's the most sure tackler. He plays the best in space. He doesn't have quite the hands Shiloh has, but he's a damn good safety. Why are we moving him to inside backer? I don't know if it it took me about a quarter and a half to realize that Trevor wasn't just playing in the box. He was playing at the linebacker position all game. Yeah. Why? Well, I think it was because and we had talked about this when we were previewing this game, the way that we were going to beat the Stanford Cardinal was by stopping them on the ground, which we did that. We did not anticipate a dude going off for 296 receiving yards. No, we let Stanford throw for, as many 
passing yards as we had 392, right. I think that's, that shouldn't have happened, but okay. If we want to stop the run, don't you want a bulkier linebacker versus, you know, a smaller safety to be up there? I, I don't know if it was, maybe they were trying to get creative and, you know, it was more for stopping the other key player that we had talked about, which was Yurisek. Yeah. In this game, their tight end. I don't know if maybe it was to stop him, but Trevor Woods needs to be at the safety position playing alongside Shiloh. That is what makes this team go. And Roderick Ward, he's a solid player, but he has deficiencies. There's a reason he is on the second team. He's a littler safety than Trevor. And I, I don't think he has the instincts that Trevor has. So he shouldn't be out there with Shiloh and trying to figure it out. You you need to have Trevor back there because that's what sets you up best to win. Yeah, and Prime also held out two of our better defensive players this game, which was interesting, and it hasn't come out as to why. He he said in the post game presser, like you'd have to ask them that they know why. Um, one was Juju Mitchell, who was that transfer linebacker from Arizona State. He's he's had off the field stuff every stop of his career, whether that was Texas, Tennessee, ASU, Jeez. and now Colorado. Immensely talented kid, but he didn't play a snap last week at ASU. And that kind of was like, hmm, okay, what happened? And then he wasn't in the lineup again this week. I I want to know what happened there. And then we also held out Bishop Thomas, our big defensive tackle from Florida State. That kid is a transfer. Um, he's seemingly healthy. So I, I would love to know why he was held out, especially in – I get it. We should have won this game, but – you, you got to put your best players on the field to win. Yeah. Like I I'm all for punishment. And if it's the, if, if it suits what happened, you got to do it, but we, we need to win football games and this losing this game probably cost us a bowl. Like it, it realistically did cost us a bowl because you look at our schedule, five of the six remaining teams that we're playing are, are ranked. We'll see what happens, what comes out of this weekend because Wazoo did get absolutely destroyed by the university of Arizona which we were chalking up as our sixth win and they rolled into Pullman on the Palouse and won 44 to three or 44 to six, something absolutely absurd like that. It was as bad of a loss as we had to Oregon. Yeah. That's not an easy game. Um, a couple more issues I have with the defense. Why the fuck is Carter Stoutmeyer getting playing time over Cormani McLean? Carter was it's, getting I think cooked. It's, still, it's, it's gotta be the same stuff that Dion said about Cormani where he's not studying game film and not practicing well. It's gotta be like, there's there. What, like, what else can it be? But my, like, you're the number one cornerback recruit on, on, on a team that's in a rebuild and you're still hardly playing. Like what is going on? We, we need to figure it out. And I don't know if it's a Cormani issue. I don't know if it's a prime issue. It's probably a mixture between the two, to be honest with you. But I, I have to believe he would have done better than Carter, than Carter Stoudemire this game. Carter was yeah. getting fucking cooked out there. And that was bad. And then you even saw him and Prime jawing at each other on the sideline. Mm -hmm. Like, there's starting to be cracks forming in this team and in this locker room. And I'm hoping it's just passion and, you know, the heat of the moment. We've, we've seen it before, especially on, on really quality teams. We saw McKinnon and Bednar on the Avs get into a screaming match in the middle of a game. Like on the bench, so it, it's not unheard of, and this shit happens. Like, let's not 
let's not sit here and think this is some big thing, but there, there are cracks right now. And I'm starting to wonder, you know, how many players are going to be told, like, you don't have a spot here when it gets to the off season this year, because remember prime, that clock is still going for prime. It goes 18 months. They have to turn over rosters. So he could realistically tell some of these guys that he brought in and he's shown, he's not afraid to do that already. He can tell them you don't have a spot here anymore, but we can't keep going back to the portal and assuming that it's going to get better. We still have to go recruit these high school kids and we have to bring in kids that want to be here. That's that's the other part I'm worrying about right now is like how many of these guys are playing for the name on the front of the jersey versus just the name on the back. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can see, you can pinpoint those guys out there right now. I think Anthony Hankerson is absolutely playing for the name on the front of the jersey. I think Shador is kind of a mixture, but he he's elite and he he wants to win. I I wonder about other guys. Like, do they love being a, a Colorado Buffalo, or do they love the shine and the endorsement deals that they're getting from being a Buff right now? If that makes any sort of sense. Yeah, no, it does. It does. Um, I mean, I think I think that a bye week could not come at a better time for this team right now, where Dion's going to have some time to figure out exactly what is going on with with these dudes heads uh and why we've allowed now two weeks in a row i mean we came out we came out with a win against arizona state um but then a loss now against stanford why two weeks in a row we are playing to the level of worser teams um but like i said in the previous pod i mean we did the same thing um against against usc so it's 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 time to figure out exactly what needs to get fixed and thank god we have a bye week because the rest of our the rest of our schedule like you said is not easy well and it's not just the players that are getting evaluated this week i'm going to tell you that right now Mm -hmm. i i think if i'm i'm going to lay out some different position coaches because i think they're being evaluated pretty heavily right now Mm -hmm. offensive line defensive line, inside linebacker, running back, and my God, can we fix fucking special teams. On the game-tying field goal, the game-tying field goal, we had 10 men on the field. We lined up with 10. I had to pause it when I was rewatching it. When three other times we had 12 on the defense. It makes no sense, and there were – when you're rewatching it, you see guys running on and off. And then at the last moment, you see Arden Walker, number 53, who's made some plays this year. Mm-hmm. He, he's standing there looking at the special teams coordinator like, am I, on, am I supposed to be on or off? And he waves him off. He was the 11th man. I'm not saying that changes the field goal. No. But having 10 certainly doesn't put you in a position to be successful. I, if I'm any of those coaches, I'm seriously shitting my pants right now. Yeah. Like our, our defensive front, Sal Sinceri, who came over from Alabama, has not put up a good defensive front. Our offensive line is atrocious. We've talked at length about this. 
Shador is the most sacked quarterback in the FBS. That's a problem. That's a problem because I guarantee you that if two goes down, we're not winning another game this year. I can guarantee that. If I am our running backs coach, I am trying to figure out what the fuck I'm doing and I'm making sure Dylan Edwards is not my RB1. I think that was a big problem in that final drive where we were trying to kill clock was instead of having Alton McCaskill, who finally got some run in the first half and looked pretty dang good, Mm -hmm. or having Anthony Hankerson, who has been the picture of consistency out there, where you got guys that can run between the tackles and kill some clock, and Alton falls forward. You know, Hank typically gets an extra yard. Why are we running our smallest running back between the tackles? Yeah. Why are we doing this? It is the definition of lunacy. Like, I I don't fucking get it. And if I'm Flea Harrell right now, I don't care how strong my personal relationship is with Coach Prime because they go way back. They're boys. Prime wants to win. He is a winner above all else. And he has said, I'm evaluating coaches. I don't think Prime will hesitate to get rid of coaches. I, I don't. And I'm shitting my pants if I'm any of those guys. I think Charles Kelly should be shitting his pants. Sean Lewis, he kind of cooled on that. I mean, we're still averaging a shit ton of points. Yeah. Like, and a lot know, of yards. For better, and a lot of yards. For better or worse, you know, we can go back and forth about how his strategy is at the start of the game and should he script plays? Should he be trying to establish more of a run? We can go into that, but let's not forget like, you got to have the right position coaches in place for your coordinator to be able to call the right plays and set up the offense like they want to do it. So I'm willing to pump the brakes on Sean Lewis a little bit. Charles Kelly, in my eyes, needs to fucking get it together because if not, we're going to be getting a new DC going into next season. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't, there's a lot I don't understand right now. And at the end of the day, like, this is the first time I'm sitting here looking at Coach Prime, like, okay, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. What what are you going to change? Like this is your this is your moment to prove to us. Yeah, you've proven it before, but you're not beyond reproach either. Right, you're you're amazing, and you've breathed life into this program. But this hype, we talked about it last week. This hype, everything around us, all the celebrities, all the excitement, it can die quick, very quickly, and. That comes from not winning games. So you got to go out and produce this year. Yeah. You, you got to get to a bowl. Yeah. Got if you're it. not, if your team's not performing on the field, yeah, that, that goes away very, very quickly, regardless of your status as a celebrity. If T, if people don't want to come watch, uh, they don't want to come watch losing football. It's as simple as that. No, especially as the weather cools down. Right. Like, Boulder is a beautiful place. I mean, you and I both hold a very high affinity for the city of Boulder and Mm -hmm. that campus. But once it gets cold, man, if you're not a native and used to that kind of thing, you're not, you're not wanting to go visit. No, like it's, it's different. So you got to get it together. And there, there were other issues in this game. I mean, let's be real. The, uh, the officiating was not great for either side. Yeah, a lot of again, a lot of missed calls, and I am so thankful that all these Pac-12 reps will be unemployed at the end of the fucking season because they're <laughs> trash. I do hope we get. It's going to be better in the Big Twelve. I I know that for a fact. It, it can't be worse. It <laughs> cannot be worse. Because I mean, my God, they missed in overtime. 
they miss a PI right in front of us, right in yeah. front of my seats on Mikey Harrison. And it was a blatant pass interference. Blatant. I mean, he dragged Mikey by the fucking collar of his shoulder pads down to the ground. And there was no flag. I mean, my God. And then. Yeah, I literally, it, it I, was thought, just, I literally uh, thought at that when that play happened, I was like, oh, we get another shot here. Nope. Nope. Taken I away mean, by the refs. They they did a quick makeup call in the next one with Travis, but they had missed PIs on Travis in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Like, not that Travis committed, but against him. And they finally got one right that next play, but it was like, it, it shouldn't have gotten to that. You yeah. know, it shouldn't have gotten to that. And it, it's not to say that we should have won that game. Like, the officials didn't cost us the game by any means. They didn't win us the game. But we had still 17, 17 penalties. penalties. Yeah. 17. Got it. How many of those right. were procedural? How right. many of those were procedural? Like, we've talked about how Coach Prime at his core is an old school football coach. 17 penalties in one game and being one of the most penalized teams in all of college football does not fucking say I'm old school. Yeah, can't have Get it. it right. and especially, especially those procedural penalties like the 12 men on the field, that sort of thing. Halfway through the season, you cannot have that shit. You absolutely no. cannot have that shit. So, no. but I, like I, I, it's got to get better. Yeah. It's got to get better. Yeah. Like I said, uh, buffs are heading into a bye week and I don't think that it could have come at a better time. Uh, we're taking on the UCLA Bruins in LA, October 28th. Uh, that time of that game is still TBD. I think they were, I think we're probably going to end up with another prime time game. I don't know. <laughs> I, I honestly have no clue if we will or not at this point, but yeah, we might. Yeah. Um, just because, of coach prime um that one we got to prove some stuff and get back after it like ucla just lost oregon state so they're gonna be hungry yeah um i don't know what their schedule looks like who they got this week um one good thing i can say about the buffs is yesterday coach prime had them right back on the practice field they did not get the day off did they really wow there were pictures on on social of them practicing yesterday which that is, in my eyes, the right way to go about it. Yeah. You you get them back out there and you make them fucking work. Um, you make UC- them work. UCLA is taking on Stanford next Saturday. Okay, we'll see if Stanford can say hi. Um, I would really like for Stanford to win this game against UCLA. Yeah. Um, so that way, A, it takes the sting off our loss a little bit better. And B, it... it provides us more going into the game, more film of what their what their weaknesses are because Sanford's smart. We all know this. They they literally brand themselves as nerd nation. They're gonna find weaknesses and exploit it. They found them on us. And let let's see if the card can keep this rolling. Um I, I'm I've always had a good mentality towards the card. Like I like how they play the game. I I always have whether that was the Harbaugh era, the Shaw era, or now the Troy Taylor era. They they play a really good brand of football and yeah. a really really strong brand of football. So I'm always going to respect the way they go about their program. So I really hope that they can continue this. I I think Ashton Daniels we may have discounted a little bit. He looked very very good. Part of that's our defense is atrocious. The other part of that is he was able to exploit us. Um, yeah. Let's not be mistaken. He, he made was, the plays. 
And it was a little bit different than the rest of the teams uh, exploited us. There were not as many of those uh, underneath crossing routes that happened. I mean, Ashton Daniels, mm-hmm. he he beat us with his actual arm as opposed to just these dink and dunk passes. Yeah, I mean, credit to the kid. He made a lot of great reads out there. And, um, and with Stanford's you know, uh, leading rusher as well. Yeah, and... You know, I, I don't want to discount Stanford here because at the end of the day, they, they went out and they won the game. Mm-hmm. They they took it back for us. But a question for you, since we are both longtime Buffs fans, and before let me let me just say this to any new Buffs fan listeners that we have. Welcome. This is what <laughs> us longtime listeners. This is what it used to feel like all the time. <laughs> this is what we we coined a phrase off of games like this it is called buff shit welcome to buff shit because this this is something that we are very accustomed to yeah we find impressive and new and creative ways to lose a game it's a fun fucking terrible ride that we're on (laughs) so welcome to buff shit and as a glimpse back into history i want to ask d train this is this loss worse than the 28 to three halftime lead that we had against Oregon state on homecoming weekend in the McIntyre era 2017? I think. Which would have given us bowl eligibility. Right. I, I think that that one hurts more because of that. At the end of the day, this is still a rebuild and we have talked about how rebuilds do not happen overnight. I think that we had early success that made it look like this turnaround may happen and looked like it would happen overnight. And then, um, and then starting with that Oregon game, we've got a, we've gotten a nice dose of reality uh, bringing us back to the fold a little bit. Um, I, so I do think that that, that that Oregon state game probably stung a little bit more than this one did because, because of the fact that I know that this is a rebuild and we are going to lose games like this. Whereas, um, whereas that year it was, you know, we had, it, it was the rise and all, and all of that hype leading up into that next season with Steven Montez at quarterback um, that, that was more of a letdown. Than, than this game was and because we still have half a season left that's that's the beauty yeah. here um so you know looking forward to see what coach prime and the and the buffaloes do with the rest of the season yeah anyone that is questioning coach prime's future and viability here in boulder let's pump the brakes mm-hmm. he, he's not above question he is not above reproach but we have to go way back into time on this one. Coach Bill McCartney, they wanted to fire him three seasons in. Mm-hmm. He lost games like this. And he's also the only one to bring us a national championship. Right. That's not to say we can't be mad. I'm still fucking fuming over this loss. I, I've texted D-Train, I think, every day since saying I'm still pissed. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't fathom this loss. But it's... It's okay. Yeah. This this rebuild this rebuild proved to be a tremendous rebuild during the, even for the portal era where you yeah. can turn over a roster. This rebuild was not going to happen overnight. We always said the goal this year was six and six. It got exponentially harder, and I don't have a lot of confidence we're going to get there right now. 
but it is still in play. Believe, and no matter what, like I have to keep reminding myself that while my expectations have been raised and while the country's expectations have been raised, we have won three more games than we did last year. And the program is in a better spot right now than where it was. That said, this is still a fucking terrible loss. Yeah. This is still a terrible fucking loss. So it should have not happened. Yeah. And we got to bounce back. And, you know, UCLA, they're, they're not an impossible opponent to beat. Their, their defense isn't great. Their offense is like ours where it clicks at certain times and looks amazing. And it doesn't click at other times and it looks terrible. UCLA is just a a slightly better version of us right now. A more, probably a more um, consistent version of the Buffs right now in my eyes, with a little bit better defense, a little bit better offense. It's a winnable game. It's going to be a hard win. It's not going to be something that we go in there and expect to win, but it's winnable. Yeah, with a coach. and I think you could say that on every. Every on our roster, and, or every and, on our step. And, and UCLA has a coach that has won a lot of games at the FBS level. So I think that, yes. that has a lot to do with it too. Um, well, let's do some quick hits uh, from some other games that are around uh, around the NCAA. Um, uh, we talked about the Air Force Falcons taking on, taking on the Wyoming Cowboys. Uh, back and forth contest the entirety of that game, but it was so much fun. Um, Air Force, uh, they overcame an early deficit where Washington was up um washington was up 21 to 7 air force came back and uh ended up uh winning the game at falcon stadium uh down there 34 to 27 um what this what this win did do and we talked about this happening is whoever came out on top of this game should be ranked that happened our air force falcons are finally ranked like we've been talking about coming in at number 22 uh for the for the uh coaches poll um, as they should be. Yeah, as they I think should they should be. be higher. When uh, you're unde- when you're undefeated, you're you deserve to be ranked 100%. I, you know, unfortunately for them, they play in the Mountain West, you know, that, that yeah. that's really what it is here, but they are well on their way if they if they keep it going. I mean, they have a they they play next week against Navy, a completely winnable game. Um it's they're they're well on their way on onto the path of making a New Year's Six bowl like you predicted them or hopefully getting to uh come January. Yeah, the latest predictions I've seen is that they are playing in the Fiesta Bowl against uh the University of Oregon. I would love to watch the cadets roll in and beat Oregon. That would make me so fucking happy. Yeah. Um unbelievable game. I, I actually was more locked into that game than I was the uh, Notre Dame USC game, which was happening Mm -hmm. simultaneously. Um, I I thought, you know, the cadets showed a lot of grit. Um, Shout out to the Cowboys. Wyoming put up one hell of a fight. And I think that was the game of the year for the mountain West. Yeah. Uh, That was, that was such a fun football game to watch. And, you know, the Falcons came out on top credit to the credit to the Cowboys. They played one hell of a game and they're still receiving votes this week as they should be um, uh, unbelievable, unbelievable football. And we will continue to say, even though Ethan likes to argue with us on this point, Air Force Academy is the best football team in the state of Colorado, hands down in my eyes, followed by Colorado School of Mines. Um, Still an absolute juggernaut at the D2 level, but 
Air Force Academy pulled out a huge win against a Mountain West Conference title contender, a yeah. true Mountain West title con or Mountain West Conference title contender. So, shout out to the cadets, man! Unbelievable football down there. Yeah, unbelievable down in De- the Springs. Definitely, definitely a lot of fun. Well, let's keep it in the Mountain West and. Uh, Colorado State Rams topping the Boise State Broncos 31 to 30 off of a Hail Mary with five seconds left on a ball that should not have been caught. That was absolutely insane for them to go up and tie the ball game at 30 and then obviously kicking in the extra point to win. Um, that it is the first time in school history that Colorado state has beaten Boise state. So got to give it to the Rammies, man. Like that is absolutely incredible that they were able to pull off that, that upset. Yeah. Um, congrats CSU. You, you guys got a relevant win. Um, it seemed like they were delighting more in our loss than they were in their own win over Boise State, just judging what I have seen on Twitter and on Instagram and Facebook and absolutely every social outlet. It seems like they care a lot more that we lost to Stanford than them getting a tremendous win against uh, a former Mountain West power. Um, they once again were heavily penalized. They once again were laying cheap shots. It is clearly coached up there. I would be giving them a lot more shine if they would stop running their fucking mouths about us losing. Because guess what? That is the ultimate little brother mentality of when big brother loses something, you can't even delight in your own victory. You delight more in our loss. And you Mm -hmm. take that as your own victory. The only fan bases, I'm going to get this out there right now to finish my buffs rant. The only fan bases that can come in and talk shit on any of the social medias to the University of Colorado are USC, Oregon, and Stanford. If you are a fan of any other fucking program, stop running your mouth. If you're a Nebraska fan who seemed to take a lot of pleasure in this loss, get fucked. You guys lost. If you're a CSU fan, you guys just won a game that you shouldn't have. Congratulations. Go delight in that. Don't worry about what's happening down in Boulder. If you're an ASU fan, why are you even talking? Why are you even in our mentions? If you're a TCU fan, y'all got a lot of problems to fix down in Fort Worth. Focus on yourselves. Congratulations, State. You got lucky. I can't wait for the Pokes and the Cadets to absolutely shit kick you because you deserve it and you need to be humbled. Keep cheap shotting. Keep faking cramps and keep faking injuries. You're going to keep doing it because that's the only way you guys can even stay within games. I watched it last night. Kamara was taking late runs of the quarterback. Your offensive linemen were taking late runs after the whistle at defensive backs. I saw this shit. You guys are pieces of shit. Continue to do it. Good luck winning another game this year. Rant over. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> You're getting off your soapbox there for a second. Um, and then uh, and then the other game that I had mentioned that I thought was going to be a fun one to watch instantly turned into an all-time classic with the Oregon Ducks taking on the Washington Huskies in uh, Seattle, Washington. 
Oh, uh, my Washington, God, what a game. What a game. Washington takes the victory 36-33 to 33, uh, after a missed field goal attempt for Oregon to go up and and uh, and tie it. Um, I mean, this, this game was back and forth the whole time. There were seven different lead changes throughout this football game, nine touchdowns in total. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. showed why he's the, the clear Heisman favorite right now, uh, throwing four touchdowns, 302 yards, um, and uh, – uh, basically like, yeah, I, this, this game to me, it should go down in the, um, the, the ether of NCAA football as an all-time classic. That was the best game of the college football weekend. Yeah. That was incredible. Michael Penix Jr. I am such a huge fan of, he is a beast. He is a dog. And I, it, it makes me feel better watching Dan Lanning lose a little bit. That that kind of helped my weekend get a little bit better. Um, if I'm sitting here as an Oregon fan or on that staff, I'm wondering why Dan Lanning didn't just take the points at the end of that half, at the end of the first half when they had a field goal that was right in front of him. And instead he tried to go for two or go for the touchdown. Um, obviously you can look back on that now and say, Hey, that, uh, that impacts the game quite a bit. Right yeah. there, you're you're staring at overtime instead. Um, Washington, man, they are so damn good. I know um, that is a great team. Kalen DeBoer up there, their head coach is unbelievable. They have a salty defense. They they have an unbelievable offense, and they just play such a good brand of football. And they're they're not loud about it. They're not in your face when they have every right to be, but my God, man, watch out for these Huskies. And I think they, of the four Pac-12 teams that are going to the Big Ten, they are going to be the most successful in my eyes. I'm going to call my shot now. I think Washington will have the smoothest transition into the Big Ten of any of those four programs. Um, USC, they just came off a loss against, you know, Notre Dame. We talked about it a little earlier. Caleb Williams looked not great. Um, Lincoln Riley. People are questioning if he's going to the NFL after this year. Um, their defense is not there. They're we get crushed by Big Ten offenses. And they just don't have the toughness to compete in the Big Ten. UCLA was brought on as a, we're going to bring you along with SC. I don't think they're going to thrive in the Big Ten. And I think Oregon, they play too much of a finesse game to be successful in the Big Ten. Mm. Whereas... Washington, they they feel like a high end Big Ten team already. They they just give that vibe of we're really strong in the trenches. We play sound defense, but then they just have this electric offense. I I'm a big fan of the Huskies. Um, I love Michael Penix Jr. Man, yeah. And if he for some reason or somehow falls into the second round, whatever team gets him is going to get a steal. Yeah, because that guy. He's just a competitor. Yeah. He is fiery and he he wins. Yeah. I, I loved that. That was a fun game. Yeah, I think it's gonna be exciting to see where uh where the rest of the Washington season goes. They are on the outside looking in of the college football playoff right now, being ranked fifth. Uh and but they do have a, a pretty rough November where they close out the season against four ranked teams. But mm-hmm. that may be enough 
strength of schedule wise, if they win those games uh, and if they win them handily, that coaches AP polls may put them in the top four so that they have it so that a Pac-12 school does have a chance to compete in the college football playoff. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what the actual college football playoff voters place them at when that first round of voting comes out. That's a couple weeks yeah. away. Um, but I think a lot of them hopefully will be viewing it from the same lens that we are of, man, this is a really good team. Um, I think they're better than Ohio state. I think that they are, I think they would beat Florida state one on if they played a game. Um, Georgia and Michigan are just they're, two different. Yeah. They're, levels. In, cla- they're in classes so, of their own right now. Yeah. I completely agree yeah, with you on that, but Washington, that's a great team. And yeah. I'm looking forward to watching more uh, Husky football moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, well, we will be talking about them for sure. Um, anything else that you'd like to add before we close out our episode here? Um, yeah, just one last thing on the basketball front for the Colorado Buffaloes men's basketball team. Uh, we did just secure a four-star commitment, a combo guard here from Colorado who had several high um, high division offers, high D1 offers. Kid's going to be a good player. Um, it kind of fills that need that's going to be left by KJ Simpson when he eventually graduates and goes to whatever the next stage of his career would be. So huge, huge recruiting win out of Tad Boyle and his staff. And, uh, you know, I I don't want to say we're a basketball school, but there have been moments in our recent history that we certainly were. And that is all because of Tad Boyle. And I think he's got a great squad this year. So gear up, Buff fans. Um, It is almost basketball season. It is. We're still going to be cheering for football. I, I think that we can still get to six. It's just a much harder road. But Tad Boyle, uh, as he usually does, is going to provide us a very soft landing spot um, to not be as hurt as we usually are after mm-hmm. the football season. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just get ready for that. Yeah, but that's easy. There, the it's college basketball here. college basketball kicks off in just a couple of weeks here so we're we're getting into the thralls of it man it's it's my favorite time of year when hockey's going college football's still going nfl nba college basketball it's it's about that time of year and the weather's about to get cold in colorado where it's a lot mm-hmm. more uh acceptable to sit on your couch all day and just watch sports so yes right on you guys well thank you so much for li- giving us another listen on out of office bros we'll be out of office again sometime later in the week uh please follow us on instagram twitter spotify and anywhere that you get your podcasts and please be sure to like comment subscribe and tell your fans we'd love to hear from you best the out of office bros Boycott opening day, Scobos.